Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. And I choose you. Turn to one person and say, I choose you. And turn to your second choice, second best, and say, I choose you too. <laughs> okay, that's the ice broken. That's, every time we gather, we've got to have an icebreaker because we're all being all awkward and all stiff. So we've got to have an icebreaker. I choose you. Um, let's go straight into the Scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power Love and self-discipline or self-control, some other translations will say. So God has not given us a spirit. So there's something to do with a spirit. Not a sp- there's a fear. And it's described as a spirit. There's timidity, intimidated. It's, it's a spirit, but there's also a spirit of love. There's a spirit of power. And there's a spirit of a sound mind or self-control or, or self-discipline. And so there's something to do with a spirit that we carry. We can operate in both. So, so the reality is if we operate in fear, we're probably not operating in power. When you're operating in, in, in a place of fear, whether, I don't know what you're doing in your workplace or you're at home or you're in a relationship with, with friends or family, if you're in a situation and you're in fear, you're probably not operating in power. If you're operating in fear, you're probably not operating in, in love. If the spirit of fear has got a grip on you in any situation, whether it be with a spouse, with a friend, in work, if fear is on you and in you, you're you're going to find it really hard to love at all. If you're intimidated or you're in an environment or a space or a group, I don't know what it is or what it looks like to you, but if you feel intimidated, you're probably not going to do a good job at loving anyone in that circumstance. Because your, t- your spirit, the spirit in which you're carrying is, is already, it's already, the seat is taken. The seat of intimidation is taken. The seat of fear has already been taken. So the, the seat is not empty, it's taken. Love has no place to land, to sit. Jesus is seated on the throne. He's not running around freaking out what's going on with the world. He's seated. He's seated. He's not panicking. He's not intimidated. He's not worried. He's chilled. He's, he knows the, the start to the finish. He knows you when, when you arrived on the earth and when you will leave. And so, but, but this thing of love, self-control is something which speaks of something that's more, more like seated. It's more relaxed. It's more, we're not panicking. But, but if if you're living your life and all your experience is fear, intimidation, you're not a powerful person. Or there's areas of your life that are lacking in power. And listen, the Bible says that God has given us, each and every single person in this room, He's given each and every person here the ability to walk in power. He's given each and every person in this room the ability to walk in love. He's given every person in this room, in every situation, the ability to walk with self-control. 
So the question is, how do we access that power? How do we access that control? How do we access the ability to love? And I remember um, when I was younger, when we were in PE, I became a PE teacher. But, but, and, and when I was younger, I just remember when everyone was picking teams. And I always remember at the very start of people picking teams, the very thing that came to my mind was, oh, oh no, when am I going to be picked? And the, the, the first thing that came to my mind is, I hope I'm not the last person. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? I hope I'm not the last. Like, I don't mind being in the middle. I just don't want to be last. Because what last speaks to me is that I'm not loved. What last speaks to me is that I'm not valuable. What last speaks to me is that I'm not worthy. It's not a spirit of love that I'm receiving. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm feeling lesser than I, I feel I should feel. And, and so it was interesting that as I was processing that, and now I'm a teacher, and now I'm going into schools and, and having to get other kids to pick teams. And traditionally, the old school kind of hardcore teacher would just like pick them. And if you're last, you're last. Suck it up. Right? Just man up. But I try to get a balance, and I'll let them pick the first half. If there's four teams, I'll let them pick a few each. The first, to try and balance the teams so that everyone's performing at a similar level and it's more enjoyable for everyone and no one's getting beat 10 0 because no one is, it's nearly pointless because we want everyone to participate and have fun and all that kind of stuff. But, so I let them pick a few of the first players in the hope that they'll pick evenly people of the same ability and the teams are fair and so forth and so forth. And so, but I started to notice that as I, I'm going into these schools as a sub teacher and I don't know the kids, I don't know their ability, so I'm just hoping these kids, the captains of the team, are, are picking fair teams. But then, as, as things unfold, I, I quickly realize, like, what are they doing? This is not a fair team. I told the kids, make sure you don't pick by ability. Don't, oh, sorry, pick by ability, don't pick by your friends. Because you might have the best friends in the world, but they're terrible at playing football. <laughs> but what would, so often, every time I would say that, they would still pick their friends. They still pick not by ability, not by performance, but by the person that they love. And it used to frustrate the life out of me because I'm like, I'm trying to help everyone out because I know what would happen down the road. You're not going to enjoy getting beat 10-0. Right? And so I started to question, well, why is this? And I started to realize that the power of friendship, the power of love, and that person that they connect with on a deeper level is more powerful than the power of losing. Because it was consistent. These kids would keep picking their friends over who would perform better. See, maybe love always starts with, maybe love always starts with the person and not the performance. If we come in here to church looking for performance, to perform well enough for God, for Him to love us, we've got it the wrong way around. Because what I realize with these kids is if there's a relationship there, they'll go through loss. They'll go through storms together. They'll go through hardship because their foundation is built on love. Their foundation is built on relationship. And so the foundation of Every healthy relationship is choice. I choose you. They were choosing these people to be in their team based on not their 
what they could do for them, but who they were. God chose you, not, not, based, on who, or not based on what you can do for him, based on who you are. He did, he did, God doesn't need me. He doesn't need you to perform well. God can do whatever he wants. But he chose you. And as you go into relationships in life, if you're living a life based on performance and you're trying to perform well so that you'll get a like, a like for like, hey, like for like, you like my post, I like yours. I find myself sometimes when people like my post, I'm like, oh, they like my Instagram post. I feel like there's, a, there's something in me, needs to, I need to go like them back. What if I don't like them back? Will they be, are we still good? The problem with that mindset is this. That relationship, if it's based on a like-for-like basis, hey, you do for me, I'll do this for you if you do this for me, is that when one like is absent, the relationship crumbles. The foundation is not strong because it's not based on choice. And so let's look at some scriptures, what it says in the Bible. In Ephesians 1, verses 4, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes, you see, he chose us first, and then the performance, the way of living, the way of life came after. Those guys who chose their friends out of relationship, out of love, that was their foundation, and it outlasted the rejection of man. It outlasted the rejection of losing their performance being low, but they could work on something because they weren't going to just give up. They were going to stick together. And so they could learn to get better because their foundation was based on love. Where if it's a performance based, what I found with some of the guys that did pick on performance in their teams, as soon as someone was playing bad, get me a sub. Sub him out. He's playing rubbish. I don't want him anymore. Why? Because it was like for like. I'm going to pick you if you play well. But as soon as you start playing bad, bye bye. It's a bit like the English Premiership at the minute. You have about three matches to do well and then you're sacked. Like for like. And so it's so easy in this life if we're not careful that we, we live a life of like for like. The foundation and the connection that we have is distant. We never ha- have genuine connection and genuine love for one another. And so therefore, we're weak. We live a life that is distant. We live a life of powerlessness. We can't impact people truly we can only interest them on surface stuff like performance. And then it goes on to say, in John 15 and 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Not a like-for-like fruit. Lasting fruit, which is based on relationship, which is based on love, which, which can last through storms. Even though you're losing in that game, even though you're losing in that match, the team is still sticking together because it goes deeper than performance. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. See, the first thing that, that reveals a, par- a powerless mindset is language like, I can't and I have to. I can't do that. I don't know how to break through in that area in your life. Some of you right now are, have areas of your life that you just can't break through in. And you've learned a language of, I can't. I can't go to group. I'd be too nervous. I can't pray. 
I don't know, I don't have the words right now. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I, I, I have to do that. It's a forced, I have to perform. Meaning I'm being controlled by someone else or something else. I'm being forced to do something. I, I, I don't have power to make a decision for myself. I can't or I have to. They're, they're both sides of the spectrum. I, I've just give up. I, I'm not smart. I can't get that kind of job. I don't have a strong sense of self. I'm not good enough for that. I can't, God can't use me to speak into someone's life and change it forever and change the course of their destiny and change the course of their eternity. God can't use me. And we're here, I'm here to tell you this morning that is a lie. That is a complete and utter lie. I have to. That's a, a lie. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to come on under. If you're in a toxic environment, often what it looks like, I have to. You don't have to do anything. You've got the choice. And so we're going to get the power back in our choices. And so often what happens when we have a can't or a have to is we can often start to feel anxiety. Is a symptom that so many of us experience, but unfortunately, anxiety is a symptom of fear. And often, when we have anxiety, it often leads to irresponsibility. It's just the way it is. Or, or, or I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I blame situations that happened to me in the past. Oh, it's because of this. And that language is not that that. It's not real life. It's not that it doesn't feel real and it is real. Of course it is. But, but is that the way God wants you to continue to live? Does he want you just to be powerless? Does he want you just to accept this just the way it is? I have to do this because I was hurt back then and, and this is my reaction right now. And I can't do anything about it. Or that person said this to me and ever since that, I've been scared of X, Y, and Z. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I used to be able to. I can't. I don't have the power. And then because of that, anxiety begins to run rampant because anxiety is birthed in fear of losing control, that everyone's more powerful than you on the outside. Everyone, the situation is more powerful than you, but maybe God, what the, maybe what if Jesus came not just to, to save you for the afterlife, but to bring eternity now? What if Jesus came to actually give you power right now? That when you declare Jesus' name over something, there's, there's power, there's depth, there's strength that can actually change who you are. What if our identity began to, to be founded in relationship with Jesus, not performance? An actual love relationship. Where God, you understand that God actually loves you before you, you score a goal. Before you make a good pass. That God has chose you for the team. Even though you keep losing in whatever area of your life. But what if that's the foundation of love allows you to learn, to overcome, to improve on par in the areas of weakness. But it is always founded in a place of acceptance and love. I don't know about you, but when, when I, I remember playing football as I grew older and I started playing a semi-pro team, I don't want to name it, but you know. Um, and it was an atmosphere of fear. I, I couldn't believe I remember playing a game and I would literally, all day if I was playing with my friends, I could make the pass every time. Nine and a half, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I'd make the pass straight to the feet. Or if I was pinging a ball down the line, just like that. It, it would be accurate 
for the most part. But when I got into a culture of fear, performance, you better get it right while I'm docking your wages. You better get it right. I'm going to kick the bin over at half time and yell in your face. Beep, beep, beep. And so that culture of fear, what I started to do was I started to kick balls out that I would usually kick in. I started to miss passes. I started to miss because my mind was consumed with the spirit of fear. And it started to produce fruit that wasn't healthy, that wasn't productive, that wasn't good. I didn't feel accepted, and so I went to try and prove myself, and it didn't work. And then I started to blame the manager. I started to blame other people. I started to blame the pitch. I started to blame I didn't feel right. I started to blame all these different exterior things. I started because I was being controlled by the wrong spirit. Some of you are like, Phil, you could never kick it in anyhow. And so the question I have for you is, do you feel responsible for other people's happiness? Do you feel responsible for other people's joy? Do you feel responsible, or or do you feel other people are responsible to make you happy? Do you feel other people are responsible to bring you joy? That's a heavy question, because if you dig deep enough, there's probably some parts in your life that you've believed that you've been responsible to make other people happy. But you don't really have the power to do that. You can perform and keep them going for a period of time, but eventually it won't be enough. Because as people, we always want more. When we're not satisfied, we always want more. And the only thing that can truly satisfy you is when you know that you're loved by something which is consistent. And as people, we can't love people with unconditional love unless we're connected to unconditional love. And so that's why as a church we point people to Jesus' unconditional love because he chose you and that's it. He's consistent throughout. And so we looked at this story in John 5 and 7 and and, and to lay the context of this, some of you maybe have heard this story before, some have not. There's this sick man. He's got issues. He's got a problem. He's got, there's a relational issue. There's a, there's a body issue. There's dysfunction in his life. Whatever that looks like for you, I do not know. But we all have it. I have it too. And so he's been sitting at this pool, which represent healing to him. He's just like, if I could just get to that place, I would be healed. He had this idea of healing. And he left this pool where people, sick people would, would hang about for 38 years. That's a long time. He led the pool. He was waiting for something to happen, for someone to knock on the door, for someone to pick him up and do it for him. He was waiting. And so because it didn't happen, and because he was waiting for something to happen, it never did. And so his mindset was, it's not my fault. I don't have to take responsibility for me. And so Jesus came along And the first thing he said to him was, do you want to get well? There's areas of your life right now, and maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you, 
and you know it's a repetitive pattern, you know you don't, you're powerless, you know you don't feel strong in that area, there's weakness. And the question that God would ask you today is, do you want to get well? But is that not a stupid question? Because he's been sitting there for 38 years, of course he wants to get well. Like sometimes you're wondering, why, 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 why would Jesus ask such an obvious question? But he asked an obvious question because he knew, I believe, that the, the, this, this man at, at the pool had to make a decision himself. He had to take responsibility himself in order for something to happen. He had to do it for himself. God had given him the power to make a move, but he decided to wait on somebody else. Who are you waiting on to make the move for you? Who are you waiting? If you, maybe you're jobless right now. Just are you, are you doing something about it? Are you waiting on something else to make the move or somebody else to come along and just knock your door and, hey, you, there you go, there's a job. And, and this is what he says in John 5. He says, I cancer. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. It's not my responsibility. Someone needs to do it for me. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets ahead of me. It's not fair. Life's not fair. It's not fair. They get the job. It's not fair. That they've got everything going for them. It's not fair. They've got all the money and the finances. It's not fair. Their family looks the way it does. It's not fair. Powerlessness always speaks of, I can't, and it's not fair. It doesn't ever take responsibility. And I love this. Jesus goes on and says and tells him to stand up. Take your mat. Take your mat. I, you need to pick it up. And then you need to walk. Jesus didn't pick the mat up for him. He, he didn't move his legs for him. And so where in, in your life today do you need to move? Where in your life today do you need to pick up a mat? Where in your life today do you need to receive and understand that you are a powerful person? God has given you everything that you need. But now it's time to pick up the mat. You, may, you might need to pick up your phone and call somebody. You might need to walk somewhere into a room where, where there's been dysfunction and, and you've been walking and running away from, but you need to face it and have an awkward conversation, maybe of asking for forgiveness or forgiving someone. You need to pick up your mat and walk. And so a lot of you have maybe heard that term, fight or flight. And so often, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, or, or even, what am I talking about as a kid, even now, uh, when I'm in the house alone, <laughs> you hear a creak. And some of you will know who've been to my group. I have a few baseball bats pla placed in a few very convenient places, just in case, you know, someone wants to play baseball. <laughs> Obviously, like... What else would you have a baseball bat for? Uh, and just right in between the radiators. And because at the start when I moved into the house, I was kind of hearing a few creaks. And I just couldn't get back to sleep. And I had to go downstairs and look into every room, switch the light on. But I was, at a, I was ready to play baseball. In the hope that they would have a ball with them so I, you know, we could swing. And, and, and so fight or flight so often when we experience fear, 
in reality, the reason that we don't get up and walk is because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of it not working. We're afraid, what if I get in the pool and it doesn't work? And I'm embarrassed and everyone's seen me and, and, and didn't work for me and it worked for everyone else. We're afraid of what it might look like. But you see, just like those guys when they went out with their mates to play on the pitch, they weren't as concerned about losing when they knew that they were loved. What if you experienced the true love of God and you accepted that God loved you and you accepted salvation, you accepted that Jesus chose you? Maybe power might just come as a byproduct from love. Maybe the fear of man might just begin to diminish as a byproduct of being loved. Maybe, the, 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 yes, you might still sense fear, but the, the love that you sense is stronger than the fear that you sense. Maybe some of you are coming to church and it feels awkward and it feels weird and you get nervous about the hallway and you get nervous about where am I going to sit and that's okay and that's normal but God has given you power to believe and trust in him so you can walk into dark places and opportunities will arise. So powerful people say this, I will, I do, I am. I will, I do, I am. Matthew 5 and 37 says, just say simple, just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Sounds pretty intense. Just say yes or no. And what, what that's really talking about, I believe, is that to have a strong sense of self, meaning I'm not, if I don't want to go a certain place, you have the power and the ability to say no. If you're a young person and someone's asking you to go somewhere or do something that you know you shouldn't, you have got the power to say no. It's in you. You're loved. You're already accepted. You don't need to get your love or acceptance from anyone else. It's already been established in your heart. You are loved. You're accepted. You're chosen. You're already in the team. So you don't need to go move into anybody else's team, no matter how much they try to lure you or try to convince you. God chose you. You're already on the team. You're accepted. And so, so often what happens when people have a... I, I've met some people, boy, boy and, and they have such a weak sense of self to the point where, you know, people, some of us would call them peop, people pleasers and... and to be honest, I people please at times, but when I go to the, the root of it, it's really I'm trying to be loved. I forgot who I am. I forgot that I'm already loved, that God has already loved me and chose me and I'm in the team. And when I forget that, I find myself trying to impress people. On the surface, I try, I actually sometimes can look like pride or, or maybe cockiness, or, uh, it's all, but it all comes back to wanting to be chose again. And so what I have to do is I've got to get into a place of prayer. I've got to declare who I am again. I've got to remind my, I've got to get, remove the spirit of fear of rejection, remove the spirit of, of timidity and, 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 and fear of people. And I've got to remind myself, no, I'm powerful. I'm a powerful person. Why? Because I'm loved by God. I, I'm not prone uh, to the voice of the enemy, the voice of, of trying to convince me to do things in order to please man. I'm already loved. I'm in the team. I don't need to get into any other team. I'm, I'm in. 
And, and when we remind ourselves and understand that, then what starts to happen is we're free. We start to find freedom. And we get into a rhythm of freedom. And then all of a sudden, because we're free, when we get into rooms where once maybe we were afraid of talking about being a Christian or we're afraid of talking about following Jesus, all of a sudden we get into rooms where we know we're already chosen, so we're not trying to impress anyone. We're not, we're not trying to, to get them to love us because we're already loved. But we can now actually choose to love them. We can make choices to And listen, Jesus loved you before and, and, and while you were sinners. When Jesus came to the cross, it was, it was a prophetic statement to the world for generations to come that he has chosen you while you were a sinner. So, if we're called to be like Jesus, remember, we were, we were, we were God's enemies. In our sin, we are God's enemies, the Bible says. Because we work against God when we're walking in sin. We're walking against God's ways. So, so if Jesus died for us and loved us and chose to give up his life for us so, so, that, so that there would be at least a hope that we would choose him, he didn't control us. He didn't try and force us. It was a healthy relationship. He, he made a choice in, the, in faith, in hope that we would choose him back the same way that any healthy relationship should operate. So if you're in a relationship where you're being forced or, 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 or you're being manipulated or, or you're feeling uh, there's a fear factor, then, then there's probably something, there's a reset button needs to be hit or you might need to remove yourself from that situation, but, but God showed us what a healthy relationship looks like, and that looks like a choice. But if God chose us while we were sinners, that, and we're, we represent Jesus when we receive his death and resurrection on the cross, well then, that also means that we get to choose to love some of our enemies. Oh, that's not nice. That means God has given us the power to love people before they love us. To love that person in work before they love you back. They may never lose you, love you back. But God has given you the power to be a vessel to love them even when they're unlovable. You see, I have a friend who, and we're going to finish up here. I've got a friend who, who, um, who works in the foster care business. And one thing um, they would say is that some of the children that would come, not all of them, but some, um, they, they've been abused. They've had massive trauma as a kid. And, and what always happens, they would say, when those kids come into the household is they will straight away reject the parents. And subconsciously what's going on is they're testing the love. They don't know it. They're, they're probably acting out. Their behavior is bad. They're probably maybe being abused being abusive with their language, but, but actually what's going on is they're testing the love. And, and how you break the cycle and how that parent breaks the cycle and builds up a, a foundation of love is when they stay consistent by making a choice, I'm going to love you, this is my role, I'm your parent in this season, I'm choosing to love you no matter how you behave. And as they're consistent in that unconditional love, that kid will eventually, hopefully begin to change. But at the start, it looks like they're enemies. And so maybe you're in a situation, I don't know what it looks like. But what would happen? 
and I'm not saying this is always the right thing to do, but what would happen, maybe there's a situation where there's fear in you, and, and, and it feels vulnerable, and, and there's a situation you keep running away from because it makes you feel anxious, powerless, broken. What would happen if instead of you running from the fear, what would happen if you started to walk towards the fear? What would happen, just like Jesus, instead of him walking away from us because we let him down, because we're not perfect, because we're not always holy and we're not always righteous in our actions, what, what would happen if Jesus, which he did, walked towards us prophetically and said, I'm loving you. I'm choosing to love you prophetically in the hope that one day you will come home in the hope that one day you'll receive my love and, and receive fullness of joy, receive wholeness. What would happen if we started to represent that kind of love on the earth, in our families, in a workplace? Maybe, just like what Jesus done and, and, and now has the biggest following across the whole planet, the church is in revival. It's been in revival ever since Jesus came. What if we started to become that kind of powerful in our lives. Receive that kind of grace from God to love people with that kind of depth and security. You see, I don't know about you, but when, when, when people, what I've seen and what I've seen myself is when I feel secure and accepted, I begin to thrive. Creativity is at its best in my life. I began to think outside the box. I began to, to, to do more than I usually would. But when I'm in an atmosphere, a culture of fear, I'm in a box. I, I'm afraid to move. I'm stuck. What if the church began to become a place of people, not just inside on a Sunday, but outside on a Monday, where people knew how to love beyond action? where people began to understand that they had power to love people who were unlovable on the outside. I'm telling you, it's that kind of love that will change your earth, will change your world, will change your family. It's that kind of love that changes everything. It's that kind of love that Jesus came to die for and to release upon the earth. That's the spirit of freedom. Jesus came to set the captives free, but it's with that power and that power is released when you receive his love that Jesus chose you. That's all you need to do. He's already chose you. It's just your choice to accept that. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we'll see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast. <laughs>